Hi, and welcome to the Raven New Testament Church podcast. You are about to hear a powerful message. We hope that you are blessed and encouraged by this message today. Good to be in the house of God this morning. I know we just got a few here this morning, but uh, let's just get in and worship God this morning. Praise God. We just heard two great uh, praise reports and how God is still working miracles. Amen. Hallelujah. Our God is, is something. Ain't any awesome God? As she sings that song, he, he, that song, he's an awesome God. Praise God. And he still hears and answers prayer. Praise God. That's what you call the prayer of faith. Somebody touched heaven for the baby. Somebody touched heaven for Brother Ray, and God intervened. Amen. I just, I just praise Him. I just feel. How many feel the Lord this morning? Praise God. God is good to us this morning, and good to have you this morning in the house of God. Probably have some more come out in a little while, uh, but uh, we're here to worship God. We're here to thank our God. God been good to us all week, right? Had a few ups and downs, a few smiles and frowns, but we are. We still here today, amen, due to the fact that God uh, is with us, amen. And I, I bank on those scriptures where the Lord told uh, Joshua, he said, Joshua, he said, son, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, amen, I'll be with you. And told the disciples, he said, lo, I'll be with you always, even unto the end of the world. We know that our God is with us, and regardless what we have to face uh, uh, in this life, amen, I tell you what, uh, God is going to be there for his people, amen. If you don't believe me, go back and see what he did for his people uh, 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 down in Egypt, uh, amen. He moved them to a special place, didn't he, to take good care of them down in the land of Goshen. No, the plagues hit them, amen, because they were sheltered in the arms of God. We're sheltered in the arms of God this morning. Praise God. And churches just... I just feel the presence, I feel the anointing, feel the presence of an awesome God this morning. Get in and worship God. Get what you need from God this morning. He's, uh, he, he's that type, amen. He said, I supply all your needs according to my riches and glory through the one that I sent to save you, amen. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you for this wonderful opportunity, God, that you have given us together, together in your house this morning, God, to worship you again, God, in spirit, God, and in truth, God. We pray, God, that you anoint Brother Kevin, the messenger, God, as he brings forth your word this morning. The message is already anointed. Anoint the messenger this morning to bring forth that anointed word this morning. Amen. The anointing is what destroys the yoke of sin, God. Anoint him, God. Bless him, God. Uh, God, we pray this morning for those that cannot be here this morning, sick this morning. Pray for Brother Audie Coleman this morning. God, that you will touch him in his body this morning, God. We pray, amen, for our elders and all this morning, God. Our whole church this morning, God. Pray for those that could be here this morning. God, we love you and we praise you. We come to worship you. We come to receive from you what you have in store for us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Brother Kevin's going to come teach our Sunday school lesson. Brother Aldi called me and called this morning and said, Doctor, put him on some, some kind of heart medicine. He's having headaches with it, and he's also can't stand to be in the light. So uh, pray for Brother Aldi uh, this morning. Praise God and his family this morning as well. well amen. Tell you another beautiful day we have. It's turning, looks like it's turning out to be for sure. You know, every day that the Lord gives us is a good day. You know, the days are what you make of them. Uh, you lay around with what I hear old people, old older gentlemen have released to me. They call it the mully grubs, the can't help it's, the can't get rights. You lay around with that kind of attitude, then then our days are become gloomy, right, and become. Uh, a little bit less uh, tolerable. But you know, I know I see a group of people here this morning that, are, that have come to serve the Lord this morning. You know, today's lesson is about uh, a group of people similar to a lot of uh, churches, churches today. I'm not going to start throwing stones. I'm not going to talk about any churches uh, in general. But I'm talking about us all as a group. Today's uh, study is, is a continuance of the study of the seven churches. Um, it's basically an evaluation is what it was. It's a, it's a, it's a proving. It is a, it is a, uh, a judgment on a, on a church. Today's lesson is, is, is entitled Laodicea, the lukewarm church. The lukewarm church. Lukewarm can be explained as, you know, not fervent. Not fervent meaning hot. It's not cold, it's not hot, somewhere somewhere in the middle. Uh, God's evaluation of the church of Laodicea was just that. He found a group of people that were more in tune with their own Good things and 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 money and and riches and 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 whatever than in tune with him. You know these things. You know the word tells us that these things will, can come to us. You know he. I, I think he even said that he wishes for us to to be blessed abundantly, right? But you know you got to give him the praise for it. You got to walk with him for that. Or the riches that you might have, and the things that we that we cherish in in today's world, you know, they'll they'll vanish. They'll soon pass it away if you don't give him the praise and honor and glory for it. I want to ask you this morning. We're going to be reading. We're going to be reading from the book of Revelation. Let's go ahead and go to prayer right now, if you would join me in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we we ask the Lord for you to come in and sup with us, Lord. Lord, we hear you knocking on the door, Lord. We hear you knocking on the door of this church this morning, Lord God, and we invite you in to, to sup with us this morning, Lord. Lord, help us this morning to, to deliver your message as you would have it brought forth, Lord. Lord, we thank you and we praise your holy name this morning, God, and it's your son Jesus' name I pray. Today's theme says, Jesus Christ cannot bear with a lukewarm Christian. That means he can't stand a lukewarm Christian. He's not going to be associated with. As a matter of fact, the word said that he'd spew, spew you out of his mouth if you were lukewarm. 
In today's lesson, he examines a church that has been overcome by this spiritual sickness. It is a spiritual sickness. Lukewarm, being lukewarm is a spiritual sickness. You know, we've, we've, we've been taught so many times, you've heard so many, so many messages, even from just our pastors here, about we don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against, you know, things of darkness. We, forget, we fight against stuff that, unless you got the Word of God hidden in your heart, you, you, you're, not, you're not ready for the battle. You know, Laodicea was, was a wealthy, wealthy uh, church. Matter of fact, it was the wealthiest of the seven churches. It was located next to the Lycan uh, River. It was strategically located uh, where, you know, it was in a good military place. But it had one problem. It had the lack of a water source. Didn't have a water source. You know, and I, and I find that very, very spiritual this morning. I'm talking about in a spiritual sense, not in a carnal sense. You know, a church can look expert. It can look, it can look hunky-dory on the outside if you're looking at it, looking in. But until you get inside, until you identify what that church is really founded upon and what that church really believes and how it practices and how it promotes the uh, Word of God, how it aligns with the Word of God, you really don't know that church. And today's lesson is, is, is just that. Uh, Laodicea was located near modern-day Denizli, Turkey. You know, like I said, it was one of the wealthy. It was the wealthiest of the seven churches, but it was poor in spiritual worthiness because of what? It was lukewarm. It was lukewarm. You know, it was the greatest in banking and financial center center in Asia Minor. You think of the modern-day Asia now. You think of it. It's, it's still a rich. It's still a rich area. They lead us in technology. They lead us in what many people today compare, you know, with just, just dollars, just greenback dollars. You know, they they're wealthy. They're a wealthy nation. So so was Laodicea. The seven cities and our churches all sat in a clockwise order along a triangular highway. Each one of these churches that we've been talking about sat basically in a clockwise order. And God went through each and every one of them and he evaluated them along this highway. Well, here today we're, we're at the end of the highway. You know, at least, at least six of the cities in that area were, were called Laodicea at one point. This city in the book of Revelations was referred to as Laodicea and or Lycum or Laodicea on the Lycus. Laodicea ad Lycum or Laodicea on the Lycus. Basically, Lycus was the Lycus River. That's how you, you can tell, tell these different cities apart. This one that we're speaking of today was, was close to the, to the Lycan River. Today, the city is deserted, and the Turks call it Eski Hissar. Eski Hissar. 
or the old castle. That's what the Turks call it today. You can go there. You can go there today, but you're not going to see a thriving metropolitan. You're not going to see the, the thing that it once was. Why? Why ain't you going to see that? Because they, they, they lock a many churches today. They lock a many a Christian today. Fail to repent. Fail to see their, their ways. Even when given the opportunity by the Lord himself, the church of Laodicea chose the worldly gain versus, versus hearing and repenting. You know, like so many churches today, like so many Christians today, you know, they were located strategically for wealth, but had a major problem. Like I said, no water source. It had to be piped in from the hot springs down to Denizli. I'm no rocket science scientist. Brother Tony's a civil engineer. He can, he can explain to us very, very vividly what it does whenever you take hot water, you put it in a cold pipe, and you push it, a hundred miles or whatever this distance was in that pipe, what's it going to be when it gets to the end? Is it still going to be hot from the hot spring? What's it going to be? It's going to be lukewarm, ain't it? You know, and I think that's so important today. Whenever I was studying this, it just, you know, it's just like God. God revealed it to me, you know, what this message is really about. I mean, they were lukewarm. They were both spiritually lukewarm and physically lukewarm. The water there, you know. You couldn't be a thriving metropolitan with not a good water source. You could be easily overthrown because you didn't have a good water source. You can't be a good church unless you have the Holy Spirit. It's the same, right? It's the same. And I think, and I think he did that as an example. It was a, it was a good example whenever I started studying this. You know, Laodicea became become the wealthiest city in the world. And its inhabitants were so rich that they denied help from their own government, the Roman government. There was a, there was a great earthquake in that area that destroyed, you know, some of the local cities and did major damage within Laodicea. The people there were so rich. They were so stuck up. They were so full of themselves that when the government said, hey, you know, we're going to help you. We, we see the importance of getting this city built back. We're going to help you get back to the point where you were. And the people said, hold up. I don't need your help. I got money. I got plenty of money. I don't need your help. Well, I want to go just a little bit spiritual with you today. Not stay in the carnal sense. Let's go spiritually. God offered them the same thing. But they said, God, I choose my money. I don't need your help. I don't need your help. My money's going to take us through this. And truly, in other situations, their money was. I mean, money, I'm, I'm not downing money today. But I'm downing spiritual sickness today. I'm downing lukewarm Christians today, being in that sense. It's the same deal. They, them... Denying the help from, from the Roman government to rebuild Laodicea. And they did rebuild. They did rebuild using their own monies. But guess what happened? Another earthquake hit. Okay? Another earthquake. 
You know, I use this example as many examples today in our lives. You may think that you got, you got the money to, to buy the world. And truly, you might be able to buy the world. Truly, you might be able to buy the nicest car, the biggest house, the most land. But you can't buy the love of God. You can't buy it. You can't buy it. Money, your money's no good in that sense. Laodicea, again, uh, you know, became the wealthiest city in the world, and its inhabitants were so rich that they did not need any help from the government or anyone. This created a false sense of, of being that you basically, you know, you deny the power of God uh, as well. Whenever you get to that point and you get so comfortable that you'll, you'll deny help from, the, from God himself, the one that can really help you. We should be like the ecclesia of God or called out of this world. Ecclesia of God means being not likened unto this world. We should be ye a separated people. Laodicea had not done this due to the money that they had had. They were not a separated people. We're going to go ahead and read God's word now. Uh, the golden text says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. In a simple sense, I, I, I'm, I'm a simple kind of person. Basically, he said, I wish you were either cold or hot. I don't want you in the middle. I don't want you somewhere in the middle. You see, when we get in the middle, we have just enough of the world. We have just enough of God that we don't strive for anymore. You get comfortable. You get comfortable. Your pew's warm. Oh, I'm sitting here. I'm nice, and, I'm nice and warm. Hey, I come to church. I pay my tithes. I show up every Sunday. I keep my pew warm. I raise my hand. I participate. But are you saved? Are you saved? Are you fully committed to God this morning? Are you fully committed? Are you fully sold out this morning? Or are you lukewarm? <clears throat> Our scripture today comes from the book of Revelation 3:14 through22. It says, verse 14, Revelation 3:14 says, "And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the Amen. The faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Verse 15 says, I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. See, again, in a simple sense, you can fool, you can fool everybody. You can fool every person that you're around. You can make them think that you got all the money in the world. You can wear... You can wear Italian suits. I see gentlemen. I work with some, some wealthy individuals. I work with some very wealthy men. Some of them got tailored Italian suits. I mean, suits shipped from Italy. Tailors. Tailors build their suits. But you know what? I consider myself 
a whole lot richer than those kind of, kind of people because you got to love the Lord in your heart. You know, I work, I work with, a, like I said, a lot of men that you tell them to open up their checkbook. It's a bunch of, <laughs> there's a bunch of decimal points on their checkbook and their accounts. You know, the average person or a lot of people today, they'll say, well, you know, I haven't, I'm not accomplished. You know, I don't have that many decimal points. But you know what? What I have? I got the Spirit of the Lord in my heart. And you are the wealthiest person that you can be if you have the love of the Lord. You have more than that person with all those decimal points in their bank account. You have more if you have the love of the Lord in your heart today. And that's what today is about. That's what today is about. Seeking for that spiritual wealth. We're talking about spiritual wealth. Verse 16 says, So then because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. He's going to spit you out of his mouth. We'll talk a little bit deeper about that later on. Verse 17 says, Because thou sayest I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched, and miserable, and poor, and blind, and naked. You are a bunch without God. You're wretched. You're poor. You're naked. Even though you got all those decimal points that I told you about earlier, that we talked about, even though you got that shiny Cadillac, you're a miserable person without the love of the Lord in your heart. Verse 18 says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest seest. What do you think he's talking about? He's talking about that, 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 that pure gold, that tried gold. What, what do you think he's talking about right there? He's talking about his love. He's talking about his spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. That is the pure gold. That is the purest of the pure. You know, whenever they, whenever they refine gold, they do it by what? They do it by fire. He, his, his love and his spirit is the purest of gold. Verse 19 says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. You going, some, you going through something today? Do you feel like you're being tested and tried today? Do you have the love of the Lord in your heart? Are you serving God? Well, it shows that He loves you. He chastens, he chastens those that He loves. He allows those that He loved to be tried. He was tried. He was trying the same way. What makes you any better? What makes me any better? Verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. Many times whenever I pray before our church services, I say, Lord, I say, Lord, come in and sup with us just for a little while. 
I say, what's up with you? Come in, come, come in, Lord. Come in. Don't be that person standing at the door with the lock, locking that door. I'm talking spiritual now. I'm not talking about physical doors. I'm talking about the door of your heart today. I'm talking about spiritually the door of your heart today. Verse 21 says, To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. Verse 22 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Romans 12 and 3, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. That tells you right there, he put us all on the level playing field. You know, over, over in England, you know, they're big on the, the kings and the queens. You know, they're born, they're born a, you know, basically a royal lineage. You know, that kind of sets them apart from just your general people over there looking at it with the carnal eyes. You know, if, you're, if your father was the king, your mother was the queen, then guess what? You're the prince. You're the soon-to-be king, right? Well, I read right here that we were all dealt that measure of faith. I hear that we were all, we're all on a level playing field. There ain't no big eyes like Brother Bubba says. There ain't no big eyes and little U's. We're all on a level playing field. Today's introduction says, Sins that are visible are horrible to look at. Stories were told from our, from our pulpits of people who have backslid to find a life that was full of moral failures and personal destruction. However, may, may we point out that something sometimes backsliding is an unseen thing. You've seen it before. I mean, you, you know, I... I I went to, you know, we, yeah, yeah, we did some church hopping. Been to some big churches. You go in, you go into a church, and uh, you know there'd be hundreds of people in there. There'd be some some good looking people in there. I mean, people people from wealthy stat, you know, statuses in 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 society as we look at it, wearing fine clothes, drive up in a brand new vehicle. But later on, you hear, well, so and so has gotten a divorce. They were. They were having problems, you know. They had gotten away from God, um, and now they're 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 not coming to church anymore. Well, you think about it, you think so many times, man. They look like the perfect the perfect couple, or they look like the perfect Christian, you know. They look, but inside, they were spiritually dead. They're spiritually dead. You know, that's the way the church is today. You know. Just because we look on the outside and we look at it and we judge a man by the outward appearance, that don't mean what's in his heart. That don't mean what he has deep down inside, and that's what we're talking about today. It can be done and hidden deep in the heart of the one who has fallen. Sometimes the backslider themselves is so deceived that they cannot detect that anything has changed in their spiritual experience. That's deep right there, ain't it? You have been deceived so bad, you being backslidden 
You don't even know you backslid. I've been there. I've, I've been there. I mean, I'm pointing the finger at me this morning. I've been backslidden before and think, you know, the devil will trick you. The devil will lie to you. He will say, you're still a good person, Kevin. I know, you, I know you, you, you're doing right. You've done works for God. You've, done, you've paid your tithes. You've, you stand up and testified. You okay. Nah, you ain't okay. Spiritual blinders is what I call it. You, you find yourself content. The devil will tell you lies to, to, to get you to stay right where you are to get, or get you to stay at home, not come to church, or get you to, to not be surrounded by good people, good Christian people. And those lies and those, that condition is the condition of the backslidden Christian. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them here today. There's a lot of them. There's some in our church, you know, and I'm talking from the leaders and guys of the, of the Holy Ghost this morning. I'm just going to tell you like it is. There's some in our church. There's some in every church. There's some people that you wouldn't think are backsliders. They are. They don't even know it. From the letter to the Laodiceans, we note that when the world is blind to a church's condition, there is one who sees clearly into their heart. You ain't fooling nobody. Christian, if you fear sin and its consequences, trembles at the horribly deceptive sin of lukewarmness, outward appearances are prosperous, but the inside is dead. You look good on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. Today's objective, we want to inspire spiritual fervency and convict and convict of the dreadful sin of being lukewarm. Basically, we want to let you know that we're trying to avoid that spiritual condition of being a lukewarm Christian. We have no historic record of when or by whom the Laodicean church was founded. There are four mentions of it in the epistle of Paul to the Colossians. In fact, Paul makes reference to a letter that he sent to the church of Colossians in 4 and 16. This epistle must have not contained important information or God would have preserved it for us to read. However, this does, does show how important the Laodicean church was to the apostle. This letter is different from the others in that Christ doesn't start with compliments of their good works. Evidently, every good work was contaminated by their lukewarm condition. How deep is that? If God evaluated this church today, if there was an eighth church in this group of churches and it was New Testament church, what would the evaluation be? And I'm not talking about this church as a group. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. We are the church. You are the church. We are the church. The church is in here. The church is here. You know, don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by thinking that this is the church. You are the church. We are the church of God. You know, this building is going to perish one day. This thing is going to rot. This carpet is going to rot. This build, these walls are going to rot. This sheetrock is going to fall. But you are the church. And he's going to come back for this church. 
But he's going to find, he's going to ask if this church is worthy. He's going to evaluate this church like he did the other six churches. And he's going to try and he's going to test this church. And he's going to see, are you worthy to inhabit the kingdom of heaven? Although there is a harsh rebuke in this message, there's also a tenderness about it as well. And all of the correct, corrective instruction there is love expressed for the congregation. Because of what? He gave them out. He gave them an out. He'll never lead you into a valley where there ain't no way out. What's that, what's that way out today, I ask you? That way out today, if you've looked around you and you see no way out, if you looked around you and there's walls and there's hedges and there's enemies and there's, there's, there's giants and there's bears and there's, there's lines around you and there's no way out, where do you look? Look up. That's your way out. That's what he offered the church of Laodicea. He offered them a way out. It's also interesting to note the culture of the city that is shown in the writing. Laodicea was a wealthy, self-sufficient city. When a devastating earthquake hit it then in, in 60 AD, they refused help from the emperor and rebuilt the city themselves. Didn't need, didn't need to sit, didn't need the government, didn't need God. While no one would condemn such actions in end and of themselves, it is clear that a prideful, self-sufficient church will not be in God's favor. Pride will not get you into heaven. Pride, I challenge this, I mean, I, I'm just going to tell you straight this morning, friend. Pride will take you straight to hell. Pride will take you there, and I've, I'm guilty of it myself. My wife probably be the first one to testify. Boy, you prideful. Boy, you better watch out. That pride is going to get you. I see her back there sniggering. But it will. A prideful person, a boastful, prideful person that, that won't accept help from others, Snowball headed for hell is what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when Jesus Christ addresses the other churches of Asia, he usually refers to their geographic location. In essence, the church of Ephesus or the church of Thyatira, he, he, here he simply says the church of, of the Laodiceans. The church of the Laodiceans. Why do you think he did that? They were self-serving. It wasn't the church of God. It wasn't his church. It was their church. They had, they had gotten to the point where says, look at us. Look at this. Look at what we got. Look at my money. Look at my car. Look at, look at my land. So far from God that God himself said, they're self-serving. They're self, they're self, uh, they hold up their self. This represents the rebellious nature of these people. It was no longer an assembly that was the Lord's, but they had laid claim to this property. When people take over a church, they soon make it, make it into something God never intended it to be. You've seen it. If you hadn't seen it, I'm glad because it ain't a pretty sight. I've seen it. 
I've seen the devil take over churches. I've seen the devil take over the pastors of churches and tear them apart, do so much damage that it's, it's unrepairable. Unrepairable. You can go on. The members there can go on. The members there can keep on serving God, but there's a hole in their heart because they were let down. I've seen it. I think you have too. I think you've seen it. When people take over a church, they soon make it into something God never intended it to be. They had free reign of the place, but Christ was very upset with the changes they made. Verse 14, as we look into it, you know, our Lord presents himself to the church as the certainty of all truth. He is the Almighty Amen. The word, this word simply means it is true or it is trustworthy. Whenever one of our pastors are preaching, you know, we, we, we say amen. Basically what you're saying is, I agree with that. That is trustworthy. That is, thus saith the Lord God. I think it's very important for you to say amen. When we say amen, we are testifying to the truthfulness of the words that were spoken. Jesus not only says amen to the truth, he is the amen. Remember, he is the alpha, the omega, he is the beginning and the end. He is the truth. He is the amen. It is as if he is saying, I am truth. I am trustworthy. And truly he is. He is the truth. Witnesses in a court case are of great importance. Many times guilt or innocence are determined upon the reliability of the one who testifies. The accuracy of the person will be tested by the opposing attorney. Jesus Christ can be examined by the most scrutinizing of skeptics, but will always be found faithful and true. But you know what? I'm reminded. I'm reminded that my, my Savior was led before a king, and he was evaluated. What did the king say? Our pastor preached on this not too long ago. What did the king say? He said, I, I find no fault in this man. I see no reason why he should be put to death. But you know what? He was convicted. He was put to death. What was his conviction? Love in the first degree. He loved, he loved us too much. That's what they convicted him of. That's what he was put to death for. There is an error that some have fallen into concerning the next title of Christ, the beginning of the creation of God. Some have said that Jesus was the first thing created by the Father. Anyone ought to see that Christ is claiming to be the creator and not the created. That's powerful right there. Jesus Christ was not created. He was the creator. Jesus is God. In Colossians 1.16, Paul wrote, For by him were all things created that are, that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him. And for him, if everything was created by him, then he began everything. This makes Jesus the head of all created things. He was not the creation. He was the creator. Amen. 
Some get confused when the Bible teaches that the Father created the world. Then they read that Jesus and the Holy Ghost were involved in it also. There is no need to get confused for every member of the triune God was involved in creation. Therefore, each person of the Godhead could be said to be the creator. The Godhead. That's what we believe in here, right? The Trinity, right? When the Lord told, him, told them that he was the head of creation, this put their riches in their place. They felt self-sufficient about their wealth, but they were not. Jesus Christ is the only self-sufficient one. He is the wealthy. He said, the word says he owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He owns all things, is above all things, for he created all things. There is nothing like the greatness of the Lord to show the foolishness of man's pride. You take your $100 bill, you take your million dollars to the throne of God and see what he does and say, Lord, I have these riches right here. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. That's what he's going to say. Verse 15, I know thy works. Laodicea was not a frozen church. They did some stuff. There were some things going on there. They did not abide in the arctic cold of the shameless sin like the world. If one had visited their worship service, they may have been somewhat impressed with their testimonies and songs. No doubt they were perfect in their outward show. It's a show. It's a show. Ain't that sad? Ain't that the saddest thing in the world? I mean, you walk in, there may be a thousand people in there. They may be jumping up and down. They may give the appearance that they're worshiping God, but inside, they're full of dead man's bones. Sad, ain't it? Does this sound familiar? It sounds familiar to me to a, lot of, to a lot of churches. On the outside, it gives the appearance that everything is good, but the church is dead inside. I'm talking spiritual. I'm talking about inside. I already told you the church is in here. The church is in the hearts. The church is in the hearts of the members. For someone to think that this church was without works would be make a great mistake. They had works. They did works. The churches that I'm talking about today with the problems does works, did works, have done works. But works ain't going to get you there. Works ain't going to save you. Works are important. Works are important. But without the love of the Lord in your heart, your works are in vain. You have worked for nothing. You have went to church every Sunday. You have gotten up early. You have gotten up and studied. And you have come to church and you have stood up and you have kept your pew warm. And if you ain't got the love of the Lord in your heart, your works are in vain. They're in vain. You know, they did many good things that the other assemblies of their day did not. Don't you think that they might have been doing these things because of what? They had the money to, they had the money to do a lot of these things, right? You see it all the time. You see churches pay for their, their fellowship to go to some foreign country and, and do this and do that, but you got to be careful. You can travel to Jerusalem and you can come back 
to your church and you can still be a sinner and still go to hell. That's, that's what this description is today, ain't it? Just having a form of godliness wasn't good enough. Jesus not condemned their works or their doctrines, but their hearts. That's what he condemned. We must remember that the goal of the church is not just to be better than the world, it, because if you... You know, compare me to the world. I'm going to shine like new money if you compare me to the world because I ain't got to try hard to be better than this world because our world's full of, there's some evil out there in this world. You ain't got to watch the news for five minutes and know that there's some evilness in this world. You ain't got to try hard to be better than the world. God wants a fervent church, and Laodicea was not. He still wants a fervent church. He wants this church to be fervent. They may have been better than the world, but they were not what the Lord intended a church to be. Boiling hot is the temperature of the true church. Fervent devotion will cause fiery prayer, worship, and holiness of life. Aren't you tired of coming into a church service when you feel the movement of the Holy Spirit and you look out there and... You just see blank faces. I got problems. I know you got problems. There should never be a time when we're not worshiping our Lord. There should never be a time when you're found lacking for somebody or something to pray for. I've said this so many times, and I mean it. I mean it with every word that I say. If you don't have something else to pray for, you pray for me. You call my name out. I need your prayer. My family needs your prayer. Don't ever get comfortable with where you are. They were a group that was in between the cold, selfish world, and a red-hot loving church. They were that close. There's many of them that's going to be, there's many people that are going to be that close. You're going to almost be worthy to enter the kingdom of heaven. But guess what? I think it was on Talladega Nights. His daddy told him, Ricky, he said, if you ain't first, you're last. Ain't that what he said? But ain't that true, though, when we're talking about serving the Lord? If you don't make it, if he says, depart from me. <laughs> Forgive me for quoting Talladega Nights. <laughs> the cold, selfish, prideful, worldly heart was mixed with their fiery works of the true church to make it lukewarm. You take fiery worship and you worship and you mix it with a cold heart, what do you get? You get somewhere in the middle, right? You get that lukewarmness is what you get. One of the most amazing things about the master's rebuke of this church was that he would have had them cold rather than lukewarm. 
In their state of mind, it is hard to get under conviction and be converted. They are religious enough to dull, remember what I said? They are religious enough to dull their conscience and worldly enough to be lost. They're somewhere caught up in between. They know the difference between right and wrong, but fail to do it. That is a scary place to be. You are a hopeless case if you are in that condition, that you got just enough of God and are holding on to just enough of this world that you're dangling in between. Our pastor has said this many times. There ain't no straddle of the fence. You on this side or you on this side. There ain't no straddle of the fence. They fit in with saint and sinner. (laughs) Have you seen that before? I've seen that before. I've seen that before. They fit in. I mean, they can can walk the walk and they can talk the talk when they come to church. They know how to pray for people. They They know how to witness. But they also know how to whoop it up. They also know... How to commit that sin. I've seen it so I've been there. I've been there. I've been there myself. I'm not, I'm not meaning this to, to beat you down. I'm beating on myself this morning. This is this message was for me this morning. Just an outright sinner, they could be, wait a minute. If only they would be cold, just an outright sinner they would have a greater chance of receiving Christ as a Lord. That's, that's sad, ain't it? Verse 16 uh, references, it says, I will spew thee out of thy mouth. The difference of this congregation was disgusting to the Lord. They had no passion for or against him. His doctrine or the moving of the Holy Ghost, their wor- worldliness was just as important to them as the Lord. Yet all of this made Christ sick. Are you making Christ sick this morning? Whenever, you, whenever he judges you, is he going to spew you out of his mouth? I mean literally spit you out of his mouth because of your lukewarmness. The picture uh, is of a person who has tasted something horrible and has to spit it out. Let's don't be that way. Let's get serious about church. Let's, let's get ourselves rooted. Let's worship our Lord. Let's promote this church. Let's help. This church goes further. Let's, let's, let's go out into the highways and the hedges and let's bring people into this church. I think you've done a good job. <coughs> you know, we, we've done our thing. We've done our works, but we can't be comfortable. We can't stop. I, I asked that you would finish the lesson yourself, if you would. I got a little carried away on the front end. I, I, wanted, I thought it very important to give you the illustration of where this church was. I thought it very important to go through how this church got that way because you can let any church slip off into the same rut. You can let this church slip off into that rut, you know? I mean, it can. It can, it can slide off so quick that, that, that we'll be headed to hell before you even know it in a handbasket is what it'll do. Take your time and finish, finish this lesson if you would. You know, let's, let's don't be lukewarm. Make the decision. Make your decision today. Say, Lord, stand up and say, Lord, what can I do for you today? What can I do to further your kingdom today? 
Don't ever be comfortable. Don't ever find yourself, well, I'm holy. I'm okay. I'm good. Well, you're not good. You're not good. Every day, we got to be walking for the Lord. Every day, we got to be witnessing for our Savior. Every day, we got to be continuing His work. Continue to do so. Love one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do God's work. That's what we're, that's all it's about today. Thank y'all for allowing me to speak before y'all today. Y'all, y'all have fellowship and we'll get into the remaining part of our service. Thank you for joining us. Please feel free to share comments, prayer requests, or praise reports. Check back soon for additional episodes.